talking to an audience or in public can be harder for some people than others. According to a recent psychological study, 30% of the general population has a truly clinical fear of public speaking. Given that information, you should already feel better about yourself. Now wait until you hear from my expert about how you too can get in front of some of the most intense audiences on the planet. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Risa Wolf. Risa professionally trains speakers to give TED Talks. You know, those giant stages where people give impassioned speeches about their major discoveries or life-changing theories? Yeah, she trains those people how to speak to crowds. I really don't know how much more info is necessary to sell you on her credentials, but she also has two decades of trainer time under her championship-level belt. Her goal is to teach everyone how to get over the fear of public speaking at any level and become an excellent speaker in all aspects of their life. Risa is also a fan of the show, and it was great having her come to me with the background she has and the training she does. Let's get ready to share our voices. Welcome to the show, Risa Wolf. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. You help a lot of people. I'm really delighted to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I am so excited to have you on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the audience? I am Risa Wolf. I train TED Talk speakers. And what I realize is since I've been training people in public speaking for over 20 years, I can teach anyone to get over public speaking fear and to be an excellent speaker. Anyone. Yeah, and I would say that's a very common fear with you coming from probably the most extreme version of public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. Many, many people who call me to you know, ask about what I do say, the people who are fearful, they'll say, I can't understand how I'm so good one-to-one or one-to-five, and I'm so afraid in front of a large group. And the answer is, is that in a large group, they're just a bunch of ones. It's not. There's no such thing as a large group. So if you can speak to one person, can I give you the hack right now of what to do? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're in person, you find one person, or if you're comfortable with three, whatever number you're comfortable with, look at that number and just talk to that person and have yourself talk because your mind is still working even as you're speaking. Have yourself talk, say, I know I'm good one-to-one. It sounds crazy, but I'm just going to talk to this one person. For about five seconds then you look at someone else who's looking at you and do the same thing just speak to one person and kind of fog out everyone else on zoom of course you only look at the camera the whole time but what happens is is that everyone enjoys it because they're just a bunch of ones who are gathered together i'd say that's one of the first myths that make people who are fearful of public speaking really the most scared yeah and i've heard you know, something kind of like that, where they're like, oh, just pick a person. And I don't think as an audience member, you can tell 
Like, if they're looking at the person next to you, it kind of looks like they're looking at you anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you just look at a quadrant of the room, or if you're in a conference table, just look, look at that side of the table. In fact, I suggest you don't look deep into people's eyes because you don't want to connect with people and have all this converse, an another conversation going on in your head. And it, it's more than just looking at one person. If you have this idea that you have to be bigger and better and more wonderful in front of a crowd, then even to one person, you'll still put on this formal self. But if you think, I know that when I speak one person to one person, I transfer my ideas from my head into their head. Let me just do what I always do. And it's really the attitude about, I know how to speak to one person or persuade them that will get you through. It, it, it's more than just the logistics of it. It's really the attitude as well. Yeah. So do you really start with people like making sure they are comfortable with that one-on-one -on -one conversation style? I would say almost everyone's comfortable one-on-one. -on -one. They're, they're very, mm -hmm. if someone isn't, then they really have to, to do some work about letting go of old beliefs about, do I belong here? Am I deserving to be here? And I would do kind of a personal essay, just open up a document and write, I deserve to be here because. So it's not, do I deserve to be here? Because then your mean mind, you know, you have your inner wisdom that knows you're good and qualified, and then your mean mind. You don't want to give your mean mind ammunition. Well, I guess I don't belong here. Instead, shift it into questions of, why do I belong here? What value am I bringing is another question. Why is it that I'm helpful to them, even though I'm younger than them, I might not have as fancy a title as them, I might not make as much money as them, but why do I still belong here? And that reality of this is who I am today, and this is what I'm bringing people. I'm not trying to be a TED Talk speaker, I'm only here to help them. That really can shift the mindset into into who you are today, as opposed to all the old icky thoughts you have from the past. Yes, I, I resonate with that thought because it has become very comfortable in this show for me to talk way outside of my range to people <laughs> like yourself, where I'm like, I don't have any ability to teach public speaking. However, I feel like I can still have this conversation pretty casually. And that's because I continue to do it all the time, and it's extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I think that you're not just talking to me. You, what your your intention is? I'm here to ask questions of experts to help people just like me. So you acting just like everyone who's listening is what's I think most valuable, and probably why you're popular. I think it helps. Um, sometimes <laughs> there's no pretense. There's no pretense. Even Oprah, who really is pretty well read and widely experienced, she still asks questions that occur to her. That's why people identify with her so much. She really asks the questions from her own experience, and people can relate to that. Yeah, and there's something to that as well, right? Like speaking, you know, for or to a specific audience has to be a pretty helpful skill to develop. You know how to do it well? It happens in the writing. In other words, let's say that you're an expert in ABC and you're speaking to people who are new hires. Well, you would explain your ideas differently than you would to people who are the, the senior level of management in your company. It's the same material, but you would adjust it for their heads. In other words, every time you write anything, 
don't write it for what you believe in and how you feel about it more write to the people that you're writing for what what would persuade them for your three main points and if you have a mixed audience of like an accounting person and a marketing person include the things that they would want to know and that's how you customize a talk and that's how you hold attention too yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I remember back when I learned about this. What would have been the most helpful thing I could have heard back on day one? And then you just kind of tailor that. Mm -hmm. And really, you think of, like, let's say you are speaking to, to a group of people, and it includes the accounting person and the tech person and also the marketing person. Well, that's a pretty wide range of interests. And what you can do, actually, is let's say you have three main points. I would say a few things about the first main point, but I would address the first one to the first person, the second person, and the third person. In other words, think of what questions might they have about each of these points and make that question one of your bullets. You can say, you might be thinking and say what they're thinking. I don't ever say, I know you're thinking because somebody isn't and then you lose them. But if you say, you might be thinking and then you say the thing that in fact they might be thinking and then you answer why it still works and why, it, why you feel it's valuable. And when people ask you a question, I would say also in writing, anticipate what questions you can get and either put that material in the talk or uh, like I have a client who said, you know, I don't like to put the, their, I know what their questions are because I've given the talk hundreds of times, but I like to have interaction at the end. So what she does is she writes the questions that probably will ask on a paper. And then you have to practice aloud because it's a very different skill set to think it or mumble it than practicing aloud. And she looks at the question, she answers it. And after the third or fourth time, it gets more smooth. No one's good the first time out. And this way, when those questions come, she just looks a little bit more comfortable and confident. That's smart. Yeah, that's very smart. And it sounds like it comes to a lot of preparedness. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, there's write everything out, write out these questions, write out. Like there's a lot to kind of consider in all of that, right? Oh, actually, one of the, the second reason that people are completely fearful or quite fearful about public speaking is that they they kind of know what they're going to say at the meeting today and they show up and then they give a spontaneous or an impromptu speech. I think that's silly. If you know you're going to speak, grab a piece of paper, even a sticky, and put some bullets on it. Let's see if you can see that. There you go. Yeah. So put some bullets on it. And in fact, if you're on Zoom, don't ever, 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 ever write out your talk. That's like saying, I think I'll make sure I lose my place when I'm speaking. Put some bullets. And if you're on Zoom, you can paste it right next to the camera. And then you look brilliant. If you're in person, stick it in front of you or make it your speaker's notes. I only memorize two things, the opener and the close. I make them very short. But this way you can make eye contact either on Zoom or if you're in person to the to different people and rehearse the body language, even as you're rehearsing the words. But just know the first time you rehearse, everyone, including paid professional speakers, we're terrible. We know that the fourth or fifth time we do it, we're going to be better. I want to show the real listeners the fifth or sixth time. But people who are afraid of public speaking, they rehearse the first time and they stink the way that we do. And they go, oh, I can't do it. They go off. And then the first time they give their talk, it's in front of the real people. That's just silly. 
Yeah. You're like, you look at these people speaking and you're like, man, they are so put together. They're so professional. They know exactly how to talk to people. I can't believe this is their first time saying it. And you're like, this is not their first time saying it. Oh, no, no, no. In fact, the, the better they are, the more they have worked on this. This is, it's a completely learnable skill, but it's like learning an instrument. The more you do it, the better you get. So I would say, don't wait for the big meeting to start talking. There are people who are afraid of public speaking that won't raise their hand in meetings. And then someone asks, someone else asks the same question. They get the credit for it and they beat themselves up for the rest of the day. When really just think ahead, what might I be asked? Or even if you're not supposed to speak, you know the topic that you're you know, of the meeting that you're attending. Think, what could I contribute or what questions might they suddenly turn to me and ask? And be prepared for that. And guess what? Every time you make a mistake and you trip over something or you can't think of something, just fix it and keep going. Well, and that's a good you know, exercise both like mentally to think of these questions that you might be asked or might want to ask, as well as, like you said, a good practice if you have this conversation out loud. Because I think a lot of us think of the questions and we're like, oh man, if I ever got asked that question, I'd have the perfect response because I'm thinking it right now. Yeah, it's but not then enough. we never practice it and we're <laughs> like, it, the question comes up and you fumble your own answer and you're like, I should have nailed that. What happened? Yeah. And, and, and the reason why is that people who are fearful don't realize that thinking something through and, and kind of mumbling it from your notes is one skill set and one way to rehearse. Once you say something out loud, it's as if it's the, well, it is the first time you're doing it in that format. You'll trip over words. In fact, when you speak out loud, it's a good way to edit your stuff because it's often when we rehearse for the first time out loud that we realize, oh, I, I should say that second one. I should switch those. That, that would be better the other way around. People who speak well have worked at it. Even if they were born in outgoing families, they have still worked on writing well editing down to just what people need to know, and particularly adding a little animation in their voice or a little animation in their voice or a little animation in their voice. Do you hear how the meaning is slightly different because of the way I use my voice? That's one of the subtleties that TED Talk speakers use. And then body language that's congruent and not distracting. Yeah. So it makes me think, you know, like you said, a little animation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, over-exaggerated, but... Um... It makes me think about something that I've heard people say when they're like, I'm like, oh, have you practiced this? And they say, well, no, because I don't want to come across too robotic. Is that a, really a concern for you when you're like, yeah, you're going to practice this speech 10 times? Mm -hmm. Make a point of not memorizing. The reason why people write out their talks is that they're afraid, even though it's a topic they know and they talk about, every day at work they're afraid they won't the words won't come out exactly right let me give you the opposite belief that i have when you've memorized something it raises your anxiety because if you forget one thing you forget the whole thing secondly as you're talking about one point part of your mind is busy going okay say this next say this next that does that it's just a waste of energy and focus instead if you Make an outline. I often use a mind map, you know, the circles, and then I have points, uh, the circles, three circles with the three main points. And then the ideas that I'm going to say are kind of like, like a sun with rays coming out. I have the points there, but I only write a couple or three words. 
the words that will remind me of the thought. And people who are afraid to to use brief notes like that, the homework I give to them, in fact, one man told me this was like magic for him. I forced him to say, you know, he, I said, what's your first idea? He told me, and I wrote the three words that were the main words for that. And I held them up to the camera because I do Zoom coaching. And I said, okay, tell me this idea. And he did. He, he filled it out. And then I gave him an example. I said the same thing, but I changed the beginning and I changed the end. And in other words, all the words, the other words in the sentence are just to make it grammatically correct. And when I forced him five times to say the same sentence slightly differently, it was the beginning of him trusting himself that he could use brief notes and still be able to talk about it. The benefit of using brief notes is that it forces you to be conversational. Nobody wants to hear someone who's reading a speech and is or memorize their speech. It's just not interesting to them at all. But the same exact material, if you just explain it, and you can use the I'm going to talk to one person rule and just explain it to one person, everyone listening will get it better. People who are afraid of public speaking, one, they have trash in their head. They have some wiring in their head that's messed up. And I have a PhD in psychology. And that's why when I wrote this book, Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear, the easiest way to learn the hardest subject, confident public speaking, I address both the fear of speaking and there are 45 ideas that you can use to eliminate, not cover up, not ignore, but eliminate public speaking fear. But also many people who don't like public speaking, they've never really learned many of the things that I've already told you today. It doesn't take much to be a whole lot better. Yeah. And, you know, once you learn some of these things, your your fear naturally goes down. Because oh, you're like, no question. Yeah. You're like, oh, I've got, I've got one trick in the toolbox. Okay. Well, <laughs> as long as I can rely on that trick, I can get, get through it versus like, oh, I have learned a dozen. If I can use any of them, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you, I gave that many because I wanted to have people try out various things and see what, what would work for them. But the bottom line is most people fear making a mistake. And just notice when you're with your friends and you say, we're going to get together on, no, it's not Wednesday, it's Thursday. Or I'll see you at three o'clock. Uh, no, no, I'll see you, I'll see you at, at, at four. When you make mistakes with friends, you simply fix it and keep going. No drama, no apologies. Do the same thing in front of others. I would say that's one of the biggest fears is if I make a mistake, they're going to think I don't belong here. Just not true. They just want to leave with your, with your information. And they know that they don't like standing in front of others either. It's, it's really, you're just there to, to help other people, not to be perfect. Yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, have that thought where we're like, I'm about to say, like, I'm going to pronounce the word wrong, but just because I, like, you know, slipped on my own tongue kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But you're like, yeah. Langu language is hard. <laughs> right, but the thing is, like, the more nervous I am, the faster I want to speak. So therefore, when I'm looking at my outline and rehearsing, and by the way, I don't rehearse the whole thing every time. Take five minutes, keep your, your notes in your car, rehearse the opener and close quite a bit. But whatever I'm rehearsing, I rehearse stupid slow because I like to speed up. And if you speed up, a lot of people love to talk fast like I do. But 
if I'm talking really fast and I give people a really great idea, they want to download that idea, but they can't do it because I'm already onto the next idea. And also when I talk really fast, it makes me look more afraid. Well, I, maybe I am afraid. I don't have to broadcast that to people. If you rehearse way slower than you ever wanted to, then obviously it gives people a chance to take home your information and absorb it a little bit deeper, but also it, it allows you to listen to your next thought so that you can talk about that. It, it's just a win-win to slow down. Yeah, do you just have them speak like at an intentionally slower cadence than they normally do? Well, you can hear the speed that I'm talking with. This is this is appropriate. To me, the second, the second you and I finish, I'm gonna start talking fast because I like to talk fast. But I'm situationally appropriate. And I guess that's another thing that people can take away from uh, this conversation is, you know how you, when you're at a ball game, you're, you're way louder and you're way more physically active. And I know that one of, my, one of my clients said that when I'm at a wedding, I'm so quiet. And, and I guess you're teaching me business behavior. And that is true. Even if you speak English as a second language, learn to speak loud enough slowly enough and everyone if you want to appear more confident more educated higher up socially higher up professionally say each word completely many people including me i grew up in baltimore maryland in baltimore maryland we never there's there's no finishing any word every there's no final consonant at any word and i i grew up talking like that when I was 12 years old, there were these other girls who came down from another city from this club that I was in, and they spoke differently. And I thought, oh, you can choose how you speak. So I choose different ways of speaking. It's still me. I'm still authentically me. But if my goal at work is to transfer my information, I have no ego about it. I know who I am. I know who I am at home. That's me. And what I can do is adjust myself so it fits in a way that's not distracting to them and in fact helps them to hear my information and that partly is me speaking extremely clearly and you brought up what if i mispronounce a word well because you've rehearsed ahead now you can look up a word and you can listen to how it sounds but also when i mispronounce a word i just smile and laugh at myself and say it again now inside i might want to throw up <laughs> With a, I'm humiliated. Yeah. Trust me, no one cares when you mispronounce a word and you restate the word, no one will remember. And all they want is your good information. Yeah, I mean, I assume, you know, when you hear other people make those kind of like a verbal slip, it doesn't even really register. You're like, yeah, I do that all the time. And you just like immediately delete that part of your memory to, to keep the sentence intact. I think I have like a natural advantage in that I am a very like kind of settled person. So I tend to speak at a pretty settled pace mm -hmm. um, because otherwise I could also see the flip side of like, you know, you talk very fast when you're afraid, but you also do when you're very excited about something. And I could yes. see like you coach a lot of people to talk about things they're very excited about. And I would imagine that's very hard to slow down because not only are you on, you know, some form of timeline, I imagine, but mm -hmm. you're also like the most excited you've ever been to talk about it. 
Right. But here's the deal. If you want them to get excited, you don't speak in the way that works for your brain. You're already excited about it. You're thrilled. You're jumping up and down. It's new to them. Talk and speak. Plan your words, plan your delivery that matches how their head works. And in fact, you brought up something interesting. It's one of the points in Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear that can lower lower your speaking fear. Think back to the last time you were really excited, like you were just saying you were excited about that topic. Or I know that when I'm waiting for like a surprise party and we're all waiting for the person to come, I'm excited. I'm I, I, Sometimes I'm sweating. My hands are shaking. Sometimes it just makes me anxious. Those are the same physical symptoms that I get when I'm anxious. So excited physical symptoms and anxious physical symptoms are the same. When you begin to speak and you have some normal speaking fear, you just go, oh, I'm excited. If you say excited, which is authentic, your brain goes, yeah, I guess I am excited. And it doesn't escalate the physical symptoms. If you feel those symptoms and say, oh, I'm really anxious. I wish this would go away. I can't stand it. I hate being in front of people. All eyes are on me. Then it increases the physical symptoms. It's just a game to play with your unconscious. Yeah, you're kind of winding yourself up because you're like, why am I so afraid? <laughs> yes, I shouldn't be so afraid. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, interesting. So for anyone out there, and I don't know who these people are, but we've talked about it quite a bit with TED Talks. What are TED Talks? Mm. Several years ago, several people got together and said, We're, we all know a lot of stuff. Why don't we give each other a talk, like make it 18 minutes, because that makes people kind of edit down and be concise. And people shared their expertise with each other. The word got out and other people wanted to see these. Now, all these years later, they've made it 11 minutes. They've just adjusted for the times. And if you've ever seen a TED Talk, there is a reason why they hold your attention the whole time. They're doing all the things that we've talked about, all the things that you need to know about how to write to match people's, the other person's head, how to edit, and how to deliver it in a way that is interesting. I think that people don't realize when they say, you know, my information's great. I don't have to be interesting. I don't have to make eye contact. <laughs> Wrong. And let me give you an example. If two people are up for a job, they both interview, and they're equally qualified in every single way. One person can speak at, to the person's face. They have thought ahead with the answers so that when they are asked a question, they can answer it concisely to the point and pause for the other person to respond. Now, the next person doesn't prepare in that way, and they're they're equally qualified, but they don't make eye contact. They kind of ramble on and on. They hadn't really even thought about what they might say, and they make themselves more anxious. Who is going to get the job? Now, it's not fair, but speaking well, delivering, delivering your talk well, having notes, rehearsing ahead, make you look like the best you. And wouldn't you want to show the best you whenever you're in front of anybody else? So it's, it's not a mystery of what makes you good. In fact, this is what I've noticed. Lately, I've noticed that people, good people around the world are not speaking up. I know that the majority of people around the world are good people, but it's the loud people who are getting all of the attention. And I thought, well, shoot, they're probably not speaking up because of fear of public speaking. I mean, everyone knows that that's the biggest fear. 
And I fixed that. I completely eliminate public speaking fear. I wrote a book 10 years ago that captured the seminar that I did, but I've taken that out of publication because this book, Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear, it's the easy, it is the easiest and fastest way to learn how to do it well and particularly to rid yourself of the agony of the tormenting voice that just, just is unrelenting. Fix yourself now or suffer more. That's kind of it. And this is a sure thing. When If you follow what's in this book, you will be a speaker that other people immediately will go, oh, that was good today. You did a nice job. It's noticeable. And it's it's not hard. You just have to do it repeatedly. Well, and the people that always get listened to, you know, if you're not just the loudest, you, you don't even have to be that intelligent or that informed. <laughs> but the people that speak incredibly straightforward and don't have like any anxiety about saying whatever they're thinking, those <laughs> are always the people that they're like, yep, that's who is in charge because they can have that conversation extremely forward and not be right. worried about it at all. Yeah, and that's it's it's not fair. But I'll tell you also this, that many people that you see speaking that look so comfortable and confident, they're not comfortable and confident. In fact, I do not teach that you have to be confident because confidence comes and goes. I, I can't depend on being confident because sometimes I'm confident when I shouldn't be and, and the opposite. What you can depend on is turning on looking confident. And I teach that as well. How can you look confident when you don't feel it? Like in the first five minutes, everyone has normal speaking fear. And many people say, yeah, I'm fearful the first five minutes, but after, after five minutes, I'm fine. And I say, take five minute later, you select, copy, and paste. And act like that for the first five minutes. Rehearse the first five minutes. And instead of saying, oh, I'm so anxious, it's not anxiety. The first five minutes is normal speaking fear. And if you know, this will probably go away. And even if it doesn't, I'll just keep looking confident. I have notes. All I'm here to do is to transfer my information to them. That's your total job. If you put your attention on how can I help these people understand what I'm saying, it gets the attention off of you. And then both sides of your brain are working toward helping others as opposed to, oh, God, how can I feel better about this? Which is silly. Yeah. I love that thought that you're like, just take the version of you that's five minutes into the speech and be that person. You're like, that's you're it. already about to be that person. Just be them earlier. <laughs> Absolutely. And you don't have to be. When people first come to me, sometimes I'll say, show me what you look like when, you, when you're fearful. And they'll go, oh, show me what you look like when you're confident. Oh, I look like this. And show me fearful. Oh, show me confident. And, I, and so I pause and say, so you can turn on looking confident even if you're not. And it's like this. <laughs> you may never be confident for the rest of your life. Doesn't matter. You can look confident because it helps people to learn. It's You know that when you see someone, everyone has had this experience of seeing someone speak who normally doesn't speak. And they're so afraid and and. It just it's painful to watch them because feelings are contagious. So even if you're feeling that awful, you don't want to have people just experiencing that instead of your content. So you turn on your best self, help people. And even if you want to throw up inside the whole time when you're finished, 
go to the restroom and do that. Do what you need to do. But the point is, when you're in front of people, do everything you can to make them receptive to your ideas, or at least to listen to you. And when there are people, you know, there are people at work that when they begin to speak, everyone turns to them and everyone stays looking at them the whole time they speak. And if you've wondered how do they do that, that actually, those are the people I've studied. And those those main points are the outline of this book. I'm not here to push my book. I'm saying, actually, I'm here to push my book. But if you go on YouTube or get another book on public speaking, what I'm saying is, is if you don't like how you speak, or you want to speak better, or you want to speak with more confidence, do it. Start getting some work. Obviously, you're missing something here. You're missing some memo. And get get to it. Get to it. Because if you're smart and capable and you're not getting either the respect you deserve or the income you deserve, what's missing? Make yourself better. It's almost everything that has to be learned is not as hard as you think it's going to be. That's for sure. And I think people are experts in things without thinking that they are. They don't recognize that in themselves because they look to some higher standard of it. They're yeah. like, oh, but that person's been doing it for 20 years and I've only been doing it for two years mm -hmm. i'm like yeah but could you teach me how to do it and they're like yeah i could probably teach you how to do it i'm like then you're probably at least somewhat of an expert or how about this you don't have to be an expert you just have to know slightly more than they do and help them learn that and then everyone appreciates you your attitude of yeah but they've been here longer and i'm younger and i'm just a girl and you know all that kind of stuff you show them you can say I appreciate being here with people who are so experienced. I have some new ideas that might be helpful to you today. I'm going to show them to you now. Well, that's pretty non-threatening. I'm not saying, hey, look, you've been doing everything wrong for 20 years. Let me bring you up to date. I might be thinking it, but I'm going to put my wording and my delivery in a respectful way that respects other people and helps them to be open to some other ways of thinking. And here's another thing that will help you and everyone else. When you're finished speaking, you evaluate yourself. How did I do? Did I transfer my information? Did, did, did I do what I wanted? Did I use the voice that I planned? Because you put little notes on your, on your notes. Did I use the body language that I planned? And also those I write on my, draw little pictures of my hands doing whatever I want. I evaluate myself first and how do I think I did? Now, whether or not people do what you want, that's, their business. I can't control other people. I'll do everything I can to have them see my point of view and to take action the way I'm suggesting. But I don't base my value on whether or not people saw it, saw the value. I just base my value on did they understand? You know, because as you know, some people are interested in hearing your ideas and some people are not going to like you or give you a good evaluation, no matter who you are, because they're like the lower 20% of the people at your workplace. And so don't look to them for approval. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, if I did my best job, I got all of the information out there. I wanted to get out there. They either picked mm -hmm. it up or didn't like, you can't force people to learn something. Unfortunately, we can't well, force each mm -hmm. other to do mm -hmm. some of that. But you, you actually brought up a good point, And that is if they did or didn't get it, if you think that there's a point that people usually don't understand, then explain it 
in a different way, maybe do an analogy that's similar to that. So introduce it with the analogy first. Like I, this is similar to when I gave this gift to my to my nephew at, at the holidays. I, you know, I did a lot of things, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should read the instructions. Well, I feel that way about what we're the software we're giving you. If you read the instructions, you'll find it pretty simple to 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 do. You know, people who are intimidated by tech, then you can make it easier for them to be receptive. And also, you can always stop in the middle of speaking when you see, oh, look, I am losing everyone's attention. <laughs> I think that people aren't following me. Instead of repeating, many people think, oh, they didn't they didn't get it. Maybe I should repeat it. Big mistake. When you think, oh, look, I'm losing people's attention, that's your cue to stop and check in with them. And ask. I have a list in the book of... Um, they're called tie downs. They used to be called trial closes, which is where you stop and say, I'm going to stop here for a moment. I want this to be valuable for you. What part of this would you like me to explain better? Or what part of this could could I make more clear? Or if you know you speak with an accent and say, I know I speak with an accent. Is there some part you'd like me to explain differently or, or explain better? In other words, when it's not working, stop find out what they're looking for. They might say, oh, no, no, we understand everything you're saying. We were just looking for this other thing. Well, then you give them that. It'll be a spontaneous talk, but you know your information. And here's another thing that people fear. What if I don't know an answer? When you don't know an answer, say, I'm going to check that out and I'll get back to you. And you write it down. Everyone likes when you write stuff. And then, boy, oh, boy, that's the first thing you do. When you go back to work, you send them that answer because you've made a promise. I will send it to you and your credibility is on the line. But once you know, I've anticipated most of the questions and how I will answer them. I've anticipated the worst questions that I hope I don't get. And I've worked with one of my friends who's very diplomatic in how they speak to, to come up with some answers for that. And if I don't know an answer, I will say, I'll get back. I'll get back to you. But I'm not all crazy like, oh, my God, I. Oh, I should know that. I can't. But don't be all dramatic about it. Just fix it and go on. You're like, look, we don't all have all the information. This is not part of it that I learned, but I will learn mm -hmm. it for you, and then I will That's pass it. that on. That's it. That's it. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out for you. I'll let, let me look that up because I want to. I want to give you the best answer on that. I mean, all of those things are little lines that, in the speaking business, we call them saves. S A V E S, and that is. You notice when good speakers, when they make a mistake, they say something charming and delightful and everyone laughs and then they keep going. They use those all the time. That is not spontaneous cleverness. I had a friend once, my friend Nick, we were at a meeting and Nick said something wrong and someone said, Nick, didn't you mean this and that? And Nick said, you know, I have never made a mistake before in my life, but this could be the first time. <laughs> everyone laughed. He fixed it and went on. I use that for about four years. I love that save. <laughs> so when you see speakers, any speaker, even on, on YouTube, when they make a mistake and they say something that kind of gets them through that, or they let, you know, they show that they take the work seriously, but they don't take themselves as seriously, write it down. And that's one of yours you put in your imaginary speaker's pocket that when you make mistakes, because it's not, um, it's not if I make mistakes, you will make mistakes. There are many things you have to do perfect, perfectly at your job. Speaking is not one of them. So be prepared that when I make mistakes, I fix them or I'll say one of these charming saves. 
I would first say virtually every one of my clients now, maybe one exception, say, I can't, because I stay in touch with people, obviously, for years afterward. And they say, it was incomprehensible. I could, I would never have anticipated to actually enjoy and look forward to speaking because all the trash and all the errors are gone. Now they know how to do it. That is available to anyone, to anyone. I, I feel this is my my greatest contribution. And I, I hope people around the world use it as a resource because won't the world be a whole lot better when everyone can just civilly have organized talks where they're really trying to help the person understand. Absolutely. I mean, that is crucially important to our continued function as a, a human race. As far <laughs> mm -hmm. as civilization goes, we need to be able to, you know, convey ideas without, you know, like you said, without having this conflict or without shouting everyone down, like just clearly describe why your point is important to you and mm -hmm. why it should be important to everyone else. And now mm -hmm. you've conveyed, if nothing else, like what you're feeling adequately. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. And, and look, just do it for yourself. If you want people to pay more attention to you, if you want them to stick with you when you're speaking, if you want to capture attention, when people are on their, let's say it's three in the afternoon, you're the next person to speak and you're the fifth speaker, people are pretty tired of hearing others. So to be able to open in a way that captures attention and pulls their attention away from their phones and holds their attention throughout, I suggest that you write your whole talk first, according to guidelines that I've given. And then at the very end, once you've decided on the voice and the body language and everything else, and that talk stands on its own, then think, all right, people learn well when there's a visual. Let me add some PowerPoints to this. It's only at the end that you decide what what would help them visually. And that's when you have PowerPoints. And when you're rehearsing, rehearse. If you either have PowerPoint, rehearse actually pressing that or just pretend you are. When you put on a screen, pause because people are going to read and stop listening to you. So all of this is kind of a performance. And think of every talk at work that it's the big talk. And this way, when the big talk comes, you've already desensitized yourself and you have rehearsed and have made habits, the skills that will help you the most. Yeah. I feel like the other thing that usually holds people back is they're like, my topic is not very interesting. Like it's very technically informative or you know, whatever it might be, but it's not like, I need to add some spice in here. Like, how do you mm -hmm. spice up a presentation? That's the easiest way to make dull material or complex material interesting is one, break it into smaller chunks. So talk about the goal. And you might go backwards and say, the step before the goal is this, and the step before that is this. But do it visually or start from the beginning toward the end, but open it up with an analogy. If the more technical and the more complex your information is, you have friends who make up analogies. My brain makes up analogies. I don't know why it just does that. So see if you can come up with something and talk to your non-techie friends. Talk to people who are not in your department at work or don't do the same work as you. Tell them what it is and help them to understand it. I guarantee you they'll come up with a quotation that says the same idea, quickly write it down, or they'll come up with a story 
of how they learned it. And then it puts it in perspective. It breaks it apart. In other words, don't suffer by writing alone. People have different ways of expressing themselves and different talents for writing. Tap into those, tap into others. Don't be embarrassed. Always say to them, I have some ideas. I'd like to hear how you might explain it to others. And then when you speak, I'll do the same for you. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what we were talking about with the the original version of a TED Talk is they're like, yeah, we have things to convey and we want to share them with each other and then we're going to learn from each other and we're going to get better. Like mm -hmm. You're just doing that in your friend group or in your work group or whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. you're just running a small TED Talk for your, your group. <laughs> right. And only ask people who are trustworthy. If there are people in your life that you know when you're with them, they always see the highest and best you and they encourage that in you. When you forget, they remind you of who you are and what you can do. There are people in your family like that. There are friends that you have. Be with those people more frequently and do this activity with them. If they're family members and people that you know that you, they're not dependable, you're going to make you feel good. One, I suggest that you see, le see less of them and have less to do with them, but certainly don't ask them to coach you because you can't depend that they're going to keep encouraging you because after all, you're already beating yourself up enough on the topic of speaking. You don't need someone else to reinforce the crazy in your head. You want someone who can help you to delete that and to keep your eye on, on who you are now and what, and who, what you can do for others. Now, remember, you don't have to be the world's best expert. They have invited you there for some information that they don't know teach them that when you leave, you're a hero. Yeah. You're like getting together with people. You're like, look, I already brought one bad critic to the meeting and it's me. <laughs> so I'm looking for a cheerleader. That's great. Yeah. I already have someone in my corner who is telling me all how awful I am. I don't need to have others. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Thanks. Feel free to use that. Thank you um, very much. I'll send you the next book. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> Anyway, I have appreciated this immensely. It's been a lot of fun. I was hoping to, you know, make sure people know where to find your book and they know where to find you if they're looking for you. It's on Amazon. I purposely only put it on Amazon to make it easy. It's print and Kindle. And just type in Mr. Bear Speaks or Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear. And it is the easiest way to to learn the hardest subject, confident public speaking. But if you have Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear or any variation on that, it will come up. My name is Risa Wolf. The way I help people remember my name is imagine a wolf eating a Reese's peanut butter cup. Now, uh, my mother would <laughs> not believe <laughs> that I have taken her, the cleverness <laughs> of her and made it like that. But if you have a name that's interesting and or difficult to remember, find some hook that can help people. But to find the book, it's on Amazon, Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear. And I can tell you, you will notice the difference immediately. You do what Mr. Bear does. But, you know, I wrote the book as, as a parable. I, did I tell you this already? I wrote it as a story. But after each chapter, I don't like to learn from books that are like a story and you have to figure it out. I'm too dyslexic. What I like is, and this is what I did, after each chapter, I put an outline at the end of the whole chapter. So it's the quick and easy way, kind of the highlights, the way I like to learn. 
But I separated out in each and every chapter, Mr. Bear speaks without fear. So in every chapter, you can see the the, the hints and the tips for to, to eliminate public speaking. I think I might have already said that. But the point is, is that I, I, I knew that people who are afraid of public speaking would not ever read an academic book. And I made it even the even the format of it is small and, and inviting. I think that's that's the word. And it's a sure thing. If you read this, you will become a better public speaker, unquestioned. Yeah, and it gives the book some rereadability, right? Like you read it, you learned it, you don't mm -hmm. have to take notes because the notes part is at the end. <laughs> yeah. And then if you ever want to be like, oh, I need to brush up on my public speaking. It's been a little bit since I've read this book. You can crack open to those end pieces and be like, oh, yeah, I remember these things. I am just re-imprinting them into my mind by looking at the end of the chapter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is true. That is true. I, I, I spent a lot of time making it extremely helpful. Yes. And I mean, the seminar that I gave was a sure thing. I fixed public speaking fear. When you're not with people in person, you have to make the writing work. And I made it kind of uh, the highlight of my of my life's work. Very great. And if people pick it up on Amazon, as I always tell people, leave five star reviews because that helps other people find it and it helps promote mm -hmm. the authors. Yeah. Otherwise, I think this has been great. I have appreciated having you on the show so much. Like, thank you again for being here. A real pleasure to be with you. I can tell you that. Do you feel more educated after this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast? If so, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. If you really liked it, remember to subscribe for more episodes every week and check out the now over 100 episode backlog. Let me know what you'd like to hear by reaching out and emailing me, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or send a message on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. That's it for this week. I'll see you all Monday to figure out what foods we're banning forever. Buh bye bye